you know, I preached this message last week, and I thought, man, wow, okay, man, that one came out okay, right? And I went home, and I said, I told my family, I said, hey, what did you guys get from the message? And they gave me a bunch of things that, that were good and things that I said, uh, and, and, but it wasn't the main gist of what I was trying to get across last week. And I said, uh, I, let me go back and just clarify um, what I feel like God is telling us as a church because we're in a brand new series in the book of Acts. The book of Acts serves a purpose. It's a link book. In the Old Testament, God was the primary communicator. When we hit Matthew and Jesus is born, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are records of people who were with Jesus and they recorded his ministry. Those are called the Gospels. And when uh, in the Gospels, once we hit the New Testament, Jesus is the primary communicator. And then we get to this book of Acts. And Acts is the birth of something brand new, not known to the Jewish people before, not known to anybody in the world. And it was called the church. And so now, ever since the book of Acts, we are now living in the church age. We are now living in the age of Grace. Whereas before, as we talked about, and I'll talk about this again later on in, in, in today's message, you know, there was a, uh, a process in order for you to atone for your sins, a sacrifice had to be made. That's what we referenced during worship. Uh, uh, animal had to um, be sacrificed. There had to be spilling of blood. The Bible says without the remission of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so that is all done now. It's all gone. Jesus shows up and said, I am the ultimate sacrificial lamb. You will not have to sacrifice any animals anymore. And how many are glad? Yeah, I'm not good with sacrificing animals. I've never had to do it, and I don't uh, plan to. I hope I don't ever have to. Um, and so we live in this age called the church. And as I'm studying this book of Acts, I, I keep having this pre-existing question if this was the church when it was birthed what is different between that church and say our church here today and I can't help but to notice the differences by the way it wasn't just my family I went to my men's group on Thursdays it's one of the highlights of my week and I said what did you guys get from the message it was pretty much the same <laughs> I said yeah they, and everything they got was good it was great um, and I think, uh, you know, Dennis, who's in, in Florida right now, um, he, he was kind of in the ballpark. And so that encouraged me a little bit. But uh, I wanted to recap this so that we can springboard from that into the rest of our series. So in Acts chapter 1, 6 through 8, I'm going to go through this real quick. It says, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time... Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? How many, know, how many have ever seen a movie or a picture, something historical where there was a castle or a former government? You, you ever seen that? It's a physical kingdom. It's a real something that you touch. And this is what the disciples were talking about. Jesus is the physical kingdom because you're already here. Is this the kingdom? Are you finally going to set up? Are you finally going to rule and reign and we can rule and reign with you? Is that going to happen right now? And here's Jesus' response. He says, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father 
has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus was saying that is above your pay grade. Nobody knows and nobody needs to know except the Father. And so what Jesus was saying is the physical kingdom, you have to wait. The physical kingdom represents the presence of God. So Jesus was physically there. His presence was there with the disciples. But he said, I'm leaving. While I'm gone, to fix this presence issue, you're not going to have the kingdom here right away. But in the meantime, while you're waiting for the presence, I'm going to give you the power. While you're waiting for the presence, I will give you access to the power. When they say, are you going to restore the kingdom? It's something that the Jewish people had been waiting on for a long time. Uh, and he, so Jesus said this, again, right where the book of Luke leaves off, uh, the author Luke, the book of Acts picks up. It really was one whole story, but you can't, uh, back in those days, they put things on uh, scrolls. Right? You've probably seen that before. And everything didn't fit, but it's really one continuous book from the book of Luke to the book of Acts. The only thing that, de that deciphers between the two is when Jesus actually leaves. And then the book of Acts picks up and he says, this is the church now. So when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he came back for 40 days and he spent time with the disciples and he gave them instructions. This is what it's going to look like with me being physically gone. And he gave them instructions. The church is going to grow and it's going to explode. And it's gonna, you are going to have the power. That's how it's going to happen. And so he instructed them. And so this is how we get now to the book of Acts. And I want to continue because the verse that we just read is the theme verse of all the, of all the book of Acts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my what? Witness. So there's a reason and a purpose. The title of my message last week was The Power to Advance God's Kingdom. And so when I was asking my family, what did you get from the message? All they had to do was just repeat the title. <laughs> because that's what it's about. God gives us power, not just to have power. There's a purpose for the power. It's to build a kingdom. That is never going to go away. And we get to participate with this power. The power is to see lives changed, to see lives transformed, to see the lost come into the kingdom. That's the part of the kingdom that we get to build. And God says, I'm going to give you power to see lives changed. That's the witness part. What does a witness do? A witness simply says what they saw. I had a friend who love to participate in any conversation whether he was directly involved or not. And so um, we can get in trouble at school and the teacher will have a stand up and the teacher's talk to him and he'll get up and go, I saw what they did. They were, you know, and, so, and it's like he was being a witness when he didn't have to. <laughs> He's always participating and wanting to say something and we're going, dude, just be quiet, <laughs> right? You're getting us in more trouble. But that's what a witness does simply says what they saw. And if your life is changed, if Jesus has touched you in any kind of way, you have something to share. And that's all God is asking you to do. 
Now, if you feel like, man, I'm not really that kind of a person. I don't speak very well. I'm, not, I'm a little bit scared. Well, you're in good company because when Jesus was here with the disciples, really, they were they were, they were camping out. They, they, didn't, they, they didn't want to come outside. Jesus was their hero. They saw him do miracles. They thought he was invincible. And then they saw him tortured and crucified. Now they're going, okay, now this isn't the way it was supposed to work. This dude had power. We gave up our lives to follow him. And he got killed just like that. And now they're scared for their life. So when Jesus shows up, they were scared. So join the club. Join the club. And there's a reason why Jesus said, wait for the power of the, the promise of the spirit because that's where the power comes from. Now we're going to get into this. So we're going to be in chapter 2. And I'm going to try to speed this up because I spent a lot of time talking about last week's message. One of the greatest wildfires in our history took place three years ago. I don't know if you remember the Australian bushfires. Those bushfires burned for six months straight. It was out of control. They couldn't uh, get a hold of it. They don't know the exact cause, but it's believed that the fires were a result of human arson. It was caused by something human. Of course, like always, the fire had to have started small. And then imagine it grows into a giant wildfire raging throughout the forest consuming everything in its path. And the flames leap from tree to tree, spreading rapidly and leaving a trail of destruction in its wake. The Australian fires, again, they lasted for six months. And when it was all said and done, 46 million acres were burned to the ground. As I've been looking ahead regarding this series, one of the preceding thoughts, as I mentioned earlier, is why do we look at the birth of the church and see what's happening back then and see that what happens in our churches today is, is, is different? Why was the church so explosive back then? Why did the church back then, why did it expand so quickly? The title of my message today is For All to See. Say that with me, For All to See. I'll explain that here in a second, but let's get to our primary verse here. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. It says this, I'll just start. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So the scripture we read earlier was chapter 1, all right? This is chapter 2 now. Jesus talked about the birth of the church, and now this is the actual event. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, we just ask you to send your Holy Spirit to us today, again, to, to, to walk us through uh, this book of Acts. Uh, Holy Spirit, you were directly responsible for what happened in the, in the records that we're reading today. Now I ask you to help us rediscover what it was that made the church back then so effective that you would help us to be just as effective. Help us to 
uh, not just uh, acknowledge you, but help us to embrace you, Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. So, in this account that we just read, they could have been singing, there's a party going on right here. A celebration to last throughout the year. So bring your good times and your laughter too. How many know where I'm going with this? Because the Bible says wind and fire came to earth. <laughs> Say earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> Say the elements. They showed up. And this is the way the Holy Spirit makes his way onto the scene. Now, we talked about last week how sensitive and, and sometimes shy the Holy Spirit is. We'll talk about a little bit about this, how we, can, how we can quench him so easily. How we can, if we diss him, how he'll just back away. Last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit uh, takes the form of a dove. When Jesus was being baptized, the Holy Spirit was a dove, one of the most meekest animals you could ever imagine. But this meek person, the Holy Spirit is a person, shows up in mighty power, in wind and fire. It was the inauguration of something brand new called the church. And on this day, that person was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit not being limited to any form of humanity. Jesus was limited in his humanity. I used the example last week that if Jesus were to walk into this room, we'd all be in awe, right? I would take my seat because I would no longer be <laughs> the qualified minister here. It would be Jesus. And then afterwards, all of us would want to take Jesus out to lunch. Hey, Jesus, nice to meet you. Hey, you know, hey, if you're not doing anything, you know, maybe we can, uh, you know, grab some sushi or something, right? And Jesus would probably love to have lunch with every single one of us because he was human. He is not able to. He was limited by humanity. Are we getting this? And Jesus said, now, in order for you to be effective, I need to leave so I can send you somebody else. And the Holy Spirit is the great paraclete, is everything that we need. And if you were to study the origin, it actually means uh, someone of the same kind. So Jesus is saying, I'm sending another form of God to you who now is not limited by humanity. Now you all can go to lunch with the Holy Spirit. Makes sense. And so the Holy Spirit not being limited was someone who would not be localized. The Holy Spirit was, is somebody who will not be held to one spot or one place or one church or one family or one anything. He's someone who cannot be held down to a person, to a place or location. And in the context of Acts chapter 2, the fire and the wind was so evident and prominent the whole city knew about it. And that's why I've entitled the message for all to see. Because when the Holy Spirit shows up, he's not to be meant to, it's not to be meant to be contained within walls. The Holy Spirit showed up and the whole entire city heard about it, knew about it. There was a storm or tornado or something that hit this place. Tongues of wind and fire. And everybody knew, and I can't help but to think that it's the same today. The Holy Spirit is meant to be known. He's meant to be known, not just with us. He moves 
And when he moves, he cannot be hidden. It brought attention not just to those who waited on him, but even the observers who were not even involved in whatever was going on. And they knew something supernatural was happening at this house. Now, it's interesting the combination that the Holy Spirit used to show up because you can have fire without wind, right? You can have wind without fire. But when you get both, you end up with something that can't be contained, something similar to the bushfires of Australia. How many know what I'm talking about? I think it's significant that the Holy Spirit came this way as if to say, this is what God has provided for you. This is what you can have. The question is, will you have it? Will you have it? So let me go ahead and jump into my points. The Holy Spirit is the expression of Jesus' presence. And John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22 says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Why do you think he said, Peace be with you? Because they were scared out of their mind. They were all in one place in agreement. The agreement was fear. They were hiding. And Jesus, I don't know, maybe he floats through the walls and goes, da-da, peace. Be with you. And they're probably still freaking out like, oh, weren't you, did you just die, right? And so, but it's everything Jesus said. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now here's a clue to where we're going today. As the Father has sent me, we know that Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit, but he also says something here. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending who? You. Say, say you. Yeah. Even as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let's not get this confused. This wasn't Pentecost. This isn't the time where uh, they broke out in other languages. This was a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do in their lives. And he said, just wait for it. He says, Jesus said, I'm still here. But once I go, you're going to get it. So when Jesus rose from the dead, he shows up to this place where the disciples are hiding. And again, they're, they're fearful of their lives. If Jesus died, they're certainly going to die, right? And so we spoke about this last week. We talked about how the Father sent his son Jesus. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. But again, something I want to highlight today is not only is Jesus sending the Holy Spirit, but he's sending you with the Holy Spirit. Sending you with the Holy Spirit. And again, you're in good company if you're saying, no, not me. If you're afraid or you feel like you can't talk or you're not a good witness, you know the original uh, Jesus' people back then, go all the way back to the time of Moses. They were not good witnesses. All the things, mighty things that God would do in their lives, they weren't good witnesses. But Jesus knew what he was dealing with. God knew that they were terrified. God knew that they were weak. And guess what? He was okay with it. And he said, you, with the little bit that you got, Together with the Holy Spirit and everything he has, 
you're a great team. You're a great team. So the Holy Spirit is the expression of Jesus' presence. My second point, the Holy Spirit expresses his presence through his people individually. Say individually. In our text, the people were being obedient. Jesus told them to go and spend time in God's presence. He told them to go to Jerusalem, wait on the presence, wait on the promise. In order to receive the promise, they had to be in God's presence. They were good Christians. They were listening. They went and they were having a prayer meeting, fellowshipping, whatever they were doing. And how many know that prayer is such an important part of God's church? I just want to let you guys know that once a month, it's only once a month, we have a prayer meeting. And it switches locations. We go to different people's house. Usually on the first uh, weekend of the month, last week was too crazy busy. Too many people were out. Um, and so, uh, so this Saturday, if you're interested, uh, we will let you know uh, where it's at. Okay, we got a lot of people out of town, so we're still figuring that out. Um, but there's a prayer meeting once a month, if that's not too much. Usually about an hour, if that's not too much. Another thing is that we have prayer meetings here at the service at... Uh, Where's my wife? Uh, 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 at 9 a.m., we have prayer in one of the classrooms. We pray for you every single Sunday. We pray for you every single Sunday. How many know that's an important part of the church? Okay, I encourage you, if you have time, participate in one of these prayer meetings. But it was such an important part of the first church. They gathered together in God's presence, and because they did, a heavenly wind and fire hit the earth. They wanted his presence, and in turn, they got his reality. The job of the Holy Spirit is to take the kingdom of God in all of its reality and bring it into our present experience. That was one of the points from last week. And so if we want to, that's the whole point of, of, of Acts. The presence of God, that kingdom that, that the disciples were waiting on, you got to wait on that, but you don't have to wait for the power. And so this book is telling us you can have this today. You can have this now. Through the Holy Spirit, it's available to us. That was his purpose, to bring God's kingdom and make it part of our experience now. What happens in heaven is power. And God is saying you can bring that power down here. You can see people saved. You can see people delivered. You can see people healed. Say power. Say heavenly power. Y'all must be tired from praise and worship, huh? Y'all was like jamming and stuff. All right. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. Uh, this is speaking uh, individually. The Holy Spirit expresses his self individually. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks sometimes. But in all circumstances, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's will for you and I. The Holy Spirit can express himself in this way regardless of your circumstances. Do not quench the spirit. Now, if we have time, we're going to zone in on that a little bit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. He expresses himself through us individually. But God's design is that it doesn't Stop there. 
He also expressed, the Holy Spirit expresses his presence through his people collectively as a church. What we did this morning is the way God designed it to be. That we would come into one place in agreement with one singular focus. God can bless that. God can bless that. It's called unity. They were on the same page, seeking the same thing, going in the same direction. The church and all of those in it will not see the full force of any wind or fire without agreement. They were unified. Now, there are valid reasons for disunity. It could be, I don't know, sin. It could be um, idolatry. It could be uh, false doctrine. But when the church gets disunited over illegitimate reasons, things like race, things like uh, something minor in the church. Oh, your church does it that way, but mine doesn't. There must be something wrong with your church. How many know that's illegitimate? God cannot bless something where there is illegitimate disunity. But where there is legitimate unity, the Holy Spirit is all over it. Every single time. Nothing keeps God's spirit away more than disunity. And in our human nature, we get pretty petty, don't we? We complain over some crazy things, don't we? I had somebody come and say, why don't I see a cross in your church? I was just like, uh, maybe we're not the church for you. That's not mean. I'm just saying we're not, you know, for... You know, God bless you. I believe, I love the cross. It's great. But no, we're not going to haul one in here every Sunday to satisfy you, if that makes sense. Y'all still love me as your pastor. I know that sounds mean. But I'm just, I'm trying to say, guys, when we disagree over little crazy, say dumb, dumb things, and the Holy Spirit, that dove goes, nope, mm -mm. I'm out. And that's what we don't want. And so the church doesn't look like the book of Acts. I'm talking about church, worldwide church. We've morphed into something else. The church today has been replaced by 21st century Christianity. The church has been replaced by 21st century thinking. The church has been replaced by 21st century culture. You name it. It's in the church. A couple months ago we learned about the the weeds and the wheat, right? They grow together. God's actually okay with that. He says, you know what? Let them grow together. At the end of the day, I'm going to settle it. And so we celebrate buildings more than the Holy Spirit. We celebrate celebrity preachers and personalities over the Holy Spirit. Look, I got some favorite preachers that I follow, okay? I hear and I listen and I'm blessed by them. But somehow, somehow, I just feel like it's a little out of proportion sometimes. And so we replace the Holy Spirit with so many other things that we think are proper. And we wonder why our churches are not lit up the way the Acts Church was. The church should be pushing hard for Ephesians 4.3, which is a strive for the unity of the Spirit, it says. I know I throw the media team out every time I quote a scripture, but that one wasn't supposed to be there. So if you guys are wondering, don't worry about it. It's not there. 
Um, Aljay, can you come up and pro, uh, play the keyboard for us? And then we're going we're gonna to close. As we continue to go through this series in the next few weeks, um, we'll see how far this goes. But I want to challenge you, as you read the book of Acts, challenge yourself, why was it happening there and maybe not happening here? Because the book of Acts is the only model the Bible gives us for church. It's the only instructions where the Holy Spirit shows up and he gives us instructions on how we're supposed to be. It tells us that who the person of the Holy Spirit is. Um, it tells us his plans and it tells us his purpose. The plan is an ultimate kingdom. The purpose is is to empower you to be a witness. Now, when we talk about quenching the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a person, and we talked about how he expresses himself through us individually, I want you to ask yourself, how much do you welcome the Holy Spirit in your life? And answer honestly. Are you, are you afraid of what he might do? Are you afraid of the wind and the fire? Are you afraid of the, the other languages? That's, it's fine if you are. I'm just saying, don't let that be a barrier because, you know, faith, faith is always about stepping out. It's never about being comfortable. You realize that. And so if we stop ourselves from pursuing the Holy Spirit because we're uncomfortable, then that's a, that's a really a, it's, it's a wrong approach, Right? And I'm speaking to myself, guys. I'm speaking to myself at the same time because as a pastor, I should want the Holy Spirit in all of his ways and all of his forms and everything that he has to offer because I can't do it any better than him. And so when we come into church, <laughs> as I speak to myself, this is not the Pastor Roland show who led worship and... Uh, Thank God somebody else did the announcements and then preaching. And it should be, let me back away so that the Holy Spirit can do what he wants to do because he can do it better than me. He can do more than me. He can change your lives where I definitely can't. But the question is, do we, do we embrace him? Do we embrace him? Nothing keeps the Holy Spirit away or the presence of God away more than disunity. Where there's broken relationships, fighting in, in a family or fighting in a group, holding grudges, pride, being judgmental, being petty. I mean, we can go on and on. And these things can even take on spiritual forms. They can take on spiritual forms. We... we we cloak it in being spiritual. And we don't realize how much we grieve the Holy Spirit. If there is no unity in the Spirit, then there is no presence. If there is no presence, there is no power. And if there is no power, there is no change. And there is no transformation. And there is no salvation. And there is no, how many know where I'm getting at with this? But it starts with embracing Him. Hebrews 12, 28 says, we're a part of an unshakable kingdom, as we read this morning. 
during worship, we belong to something that secularism, that politics, that capitalism, none of that can affect the kingdom that God is inviting us to be a part of and that he is allowing us to help advance and expand. And then Hebrews verse 29, it says that God is a consuming fire. And it takes over like, like wind and fire. Again, uh, going back to our worship, this is a picture of, of sacrifice. And God can't consume us unless we lay our lives at the altar. And so I think that's where I'm going to end it today. So would you bow your heads? Thank you, my God. Thank you, my Lord. Lord, even as we sing this morning, your fire, your fire, your fire, Lord, let it burn within us. Lord, I pray that it would, it would consume us. Lord, that it would burn away anything that doesn't represent you. Father, that it would burn away anything that, that disappoints you. Oh, but Lord, I thank you. It's not just all about that, but Lord, there's a refining that goes on. Lord, your word talks about refining even as gold. Uh, Father, that it's a process that goes over and over. Heating up the gold, swiping off the dirt on the top. You know, I heard a story of, of one man asking a, a goldsmith, <clears throat> how do you know when the gold is purified? And his answer was simple. He said, you know the gold is purified when you see your reflection in it. You know the gold is refined and it's purified when you see your own reflection in it. I wonder, does God see his reflection in you? Lord, that's our prayer today.